0: Hello Blue Crew and welcome to the Blue Pod Round 10 Recap versus Sydney. I am your host today Matt Uh, in the absence of Tess who has left us for a well-earned holiday overseas. But as they say soldier out soldier in uh, in the Carlton Football Club and we take the same approach in the Blue Pod. So welcome Phil back for another my dad. It's great to be uh, here, Matt, and I know I've
1: got big shoes to fill, but I'll do my best.
0: Yeah, well, I guess you're sort of technically filling my shoes while I fill Tess's shoes, so very big <laughs> shoes to fill. But welcome, everybody. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Blue Pod. For all our regular Blue Crew listeners, welcome back. Today, we will be recapping the game, and as uh, we always do, it's a four-quarter performance, so quarter one will be the game recap, leading into quarter two, we'll discuss the players, the b and votes... After the halftime break, it's uh, the third quarter with the coaches box talking strategy, things that we noticed during the game, reserves, into the last quarter where we have a bit more sort of relaxed segments. We have the buzzword, the non-Agena mailbox, and we'll recap the tipping and look at next week's games. Without further ado, shall we uh, kick it off into round one? Let's go. So it was a good win by the Bluebaggers over Sydney. It ended up being fifteen goals twelve hundred and two to thirteen goals eighty-seven. The top goal scorers for the Blues was Kerno with six goals. Dern and Fisher bobbed up with a couple each, and we had singles to Motlop, Owies, Kennedy, Cripps, and Tom DeConning. In terms of possession winners, we had Walsh leading the way with thirty-four. Hewitt with 32, Newman had 23, and then Kenny Doherty and Saad all on 21 disposals. It was a it was an exciting game, and it was a bit of a slow start, but it did it, it, uh, it, it picked up pretty rapidly. How'd you how you see the first half?
1: Yeah, well, I think we're getting used to uh, having emotional roller coasters, uh, <laughs> aren't we? Yeah. So uh, clearly, the the first half was uh, was a really strong half, and then we uh, had a, a gritty finish. But in terms of the first half. I thought the game started out with uh, the teams sort of filling each other out a bit. There was uh, there was a few errors on either side.
0: There was. It was a bit of a slow-paced start, wasn't it, in that first quarter?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was a bit like the heavyweight boxers dancing around <laughs> each other, and I'm pleased <laughs> to see us in the heavyweight league.
0: Yeah, we rope a Dave. do you reckon, for the first quarter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we, we uh, Carlton struggled with their forward effectiveness, so I think Sydney was a little bit more effective. They were very
0: uh, efficient early on, yeah, weren't they?
1: Yeah, they were. And uh, so that was... Uh, Uh, a bit of a difference in the game and it took us I think it took us a while to settle into our game plan
0: yeah I thought so too so that first quarter uh we ended up being behind by a point we were three goals 523 to Sydney four goals 20 uh straight 24 points but how about that second quarter
1: yeah, look, that was abs- absolutely amazing. I probably uh, think that was one of the most enjoyable quarters of football I've watched for many years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I couldn't believe what was happening. They couldn't stop kicking goals.
1: Yeah, I had to, uh, check, to I wasn't, check to see that I wasn't on the replay because all we're seeing goal highlights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was nine goals, I think, for the for the quarter, so one yeah. every couple minutes.
1: Yeah, so they it was spread around the team with Kerno chipping in very regularly.
0: He was, yeah. He had five. Five by half time, I think, wasn't it? What a game from Kerner. It's so good to see him back in uh, full flight, especially after he was a bit quiet last week without McKay. Yeah.
1: So at one stage in the second quarter, um, I think the commentator said we'd had 17 inside 50s to um, their three. Wow. Which was... Uh, Very just,
0: reminiscent of that previous week.
1: Yeah, those first, the first few minutes of the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we had that big hit on Dock by Kennedy in the second quarter.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a seminal moment in the game, I think. Great courage from from Doc to go for the, the mark and, uh, yeah, it's really tough contest.
0: It was a tough contest. I think Kennedy probably just a step slower than he used to be, not that he was ever a very quick footballer. I think he was really <laughs> desperate to make that contest and make a bit of a, a physical stand and ended up getting there just a bit too late, didn't he? And poor Doc copped a, copped a whack to the face. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's but true. But we got a few of them back, I think. Durden put his knee into the back of McCartan and I think Cripps took out Blakey. So the Swans were, were looking a bit like wounded soldiers at halftime as well, weren't they?
1: Yeah. And even though the second quarter was just fantastic, particularly in the first quarter, but even sometimes in the second quarter, we had opportunities we didn't take. I mean, there was... Certainly. Yeah, Durden, Motlop, Doherty, all missed opportunities. So uh, while it was dominant, it was also, you know, could have been much more.
0: It feels like that a lot, doesn't it, with the Blues? You're always talking about missed opportunities. I always feel like we could be winning more. But the fact we had 80 points at halftime, we're getting a bit spoiled lately, aren't we? we aren't we recently with all these... Big quarters. We've had almost every game this season, we've had a seven or eight goal quarter. This time it was nine. They were saying the highest scoring quarter against Sydney or for Carlton since 2001 or three. I can't remember what the stats were exactly now, but a long time since we've seen that sort of heavy scoring.
1: Absolutely. And I think it was the highest scoring quarter against Sydney, not just by Carlton, but by all teams for some time. Yeah. Which uh, was, uh, that's a real feather in our cap.
0: I saw, sort of jumping slightly here, but I saw an interesting post on Instagram. It was talking about 100 points scored in a game for Carlton. And we've done it, I believe it's six or seven times this season. And, and the stat was something like if you look at the 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 seasons combined. We've done about the same amount of hundred point scoring in the season already, because it used to be that big sort of hurdle for everyone. Always talked about is getting over a hundred points. Anyway, so we uh, had the halftime break and we kicked off in the third quarter. And as usual, uh, the team that's uh, well behind comes out all fired up. And the Sydney Swans came out and looked to really up uh, up their contested game and clearance game. And actually, we're getting the better of us. They outscored us five goals to two in that second quarter. Sorry, the third quarter. And you could really see that they the, we were trying to control the game a bit more. We managed to get a few against the flow, but the Swans did get a couple late to sort of bring the, the margin back to probably just enough to give them a bit of hope, I thought, going yeah. into before we into that last quarter.
1: Yeah, so that was the quarter where, as you said, you would expect them to come out hard, but the Swans in any game, the momentum swings, and this was the, the quarter that they had the momentum. So how did you think we handled that? Generally, compared to some of our past uh, challenges with momentum.
0: I feel like we're definitely getting better at it. And the fact we got a few goals back against them against the flow, I think makes a big difference, just getting that slight scoreboard relief. Although, we'll talk about it in the coach's box, but I feel like we only sort of seem to have two years. It feels to me like we're either going all-out attack or all-out defense with that sort of struggle to maybe sometimes hit the balance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought the other thing that... uh Occurred was uh, and maybe this is a coach's segment as well. So, I'm ahead. so <laughs> You're forgive right. me for being the uh, the the, uh, the new boy on the block. Sydney tended to kick us over our defensive zone a bit, which caught us out. They more did more than other teams. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that also contributed to their very straight kicking. The fact that they got really good deep entries and marks inside their forward fifty. Uh, Coming to the last quarter and it was pretty much all out defense by Carlton, we managed to get that one goal from Fish which was essentially a sealer which was that great opportunistic snap on his left that somehow did a bit of a Shane Warne, it did a bit of a left right and then bounced the right way and (laughs) snuck through the goals there and Sydney were coming hard but just they couldn't quite convert, they only managed to score one goal but they kicked five behinds, they had some tough chances but also a few you would have expected them to get so in some ways, perhaps slightly let off the hook, but I thought the defensive group really did a good job of um, preventing them getting those marks inside their their forward 50 in that last quarter.
1: Yeah, look, I think that was definitely the case, and certainly I think TDK had a big quarter with some huge grabs. Yes, good um, point. Which, uh, in addition to the defensive group, was really helping us weather the storm, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I almost feel a bit sorry for Tom De Conning. He took the, some of those great big contested marks and we didn't quite get the team reward. We didn't get goals as a result of them, but it was very important for us to get that territory in that last quarter. But once it got within about the last three or four minutes, even though our lead was only a couple goals, maybe it's the fact that we made to get across the line so many times on these close games, but I felt like we were probably always going to get there once we'd sort of held on for the first 10 or 15 minutes. So it was lovely to see the Blues hold out and to get a nice win against a quality top eight team.
1: Yeah, I think we, we gutsed it out, we, we, we didn't let the momentum get the better of us and I think we hurled our game plan. I think while there was momentum against us, I think we still played our way, to use the...
0: Uh, <laughs> the yeah, the, feminism, the popular uh, more analogy. More than
1: we have in the past, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, well let's get into the, what will probably be the more interesting part of the, the poll where we talk about all the players and we can talk about some of the great performances or maybe not quite so great performances. I guess no better way to kick it off than uh, I'd like to know who was your boy this week, Dad?
1: My boy this week. So are we talking yeah, good or, or
0: bad? We're talking but, good. Uh, the boy, your boy is the one that you're pleased okay. with their performance, who perhaps didn't feature in your votes or gets, doesn't get recognised maybe or for some reason just stood out to you.
1: Yeah, so I had a, a few choices that I, I could have made. Yep. But I think um, this week I, I went with Fisher. Yep. as my boy. I think while he missed a goal that he should have got, I think he redeemed himself by quickly recovering and getting a, a goal. He was playing off the wing. And while he didn't figure in the votes, I think he um, was creative. He seems to have used – his foot skills a little better than they've been in, in other weeks. Yes. And overall, I thought that he was a really, really good, solid contributor up and down the ground and probably unlucky to miss out on some votes overall.
0: Well, not everyone can get a vote, unfortunately. It was a really even team performance. It's funny you mention that because I had Fisher down as my boy as well this week. So great minds think alike. I also didn't get him in my votes, and like you, I say, probably been unfortunate. And besides the fact he's been able to hit the scoreboard semi-regularly and he's getting quite a few touches nowadays as he's pushed up a bit more onto the wing, what really impressed me with him recently is some of those creative moments. He likes to switch back onto his left, but I think he does it well where he goes perhaps against the grain. Everyone sort of will be sliding to one side of the ground and he'll use his left foot uh, side to swing back into the middle or find a bit of a unique pass that'll open up the ground. And it doesn't always come off for him, but quite a few have lately, and I've really enjoyed that. Yeah.
1: Look, uh, given you picked the same one, the other option that I was thinking of, which uh, was maybe just a little bit left field, but I, I had Motlop down. Oh, yeah, okay. Because not so much on what he did, but for the potential he showed. showed While a lot he missed you know missed quite a few opportunities with points and uh, didn't get the goals with only the one goal <laughs> yep i think the reason i had him in contention for my boy this week was that he showed some of the potential you want to see there was a bit of hard chasing but also just that real opportunistic you know sense of goal yeah it was a which was really encouraging
0: definition of a nearly game wasn't it he had so <laughs> many chances to kick goals he was keen as well he really wanted to score which i like to say and i was slightly critical of Motlop's defensive pressure the week before, but I agree with you. I thought he chased a bit harder this week. He had lots of chances on goal. I thought it was a really nice uh, progression from his first game. So often guys sort of burst onto the scene. Like Jack Carroll, who had that great first game, and sort of tapered off slightly. But it was nice to see Motlop do the, the opposite of that and sort of really start to, to come on nicely. So who was, who was
1: your uh, your whipping boy, mate? My
0: whipping boy. I found this hard because, as I said, it was a very even performance. And... I found it hard to to pick someone out but I've ended up going for for Chera yeah which I felt slightly guilty about but he only got I think it was about 13 touches he was just slightly off the boil and he's had a few really good games lately having looked at it I did look a bit closer into it when I was trying to to figure it out who was who was going to have as the whipping boy this week he was only 68% time on ground so I don't know if he had a bit of a niggle or just got stuck off the ground but I thought it was a bit of a bit of a drop Drop in standard for Chara, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: look, I, I agree with that observation, Matt. I thought that when the when, when the game was there to be won, he was missing. And while there was a couple of fleeting moments that I, we saw him later in the game, he, he didn't uh, he didn't step up. Yeah. In the heat of the of the game.
0: I didn't want to pick Jack Carroll again after picking him on him previously, <laughs> so I thought I had to mix it up, so I went for a bit more of a senior player. And probably that beautiful blind turn of Jack Carroll's, I don't know if you remember, in the middle of the ground, there was one where he got the ball and did a lovely little spin and flicked out a handball to someone running by, which was a pretty nice moment. So he avoided it by a narrow margin. Yeah. How about yourself? Who was your whipping boy?
1: Yeah, look, as you said, it was an all-round team performance, so it was really, once again, a bit tough. And maybe this is a bit harsh, but. I thought Stocker was a bit rusty.
0: Oh yes, okay. I, I, yep.
1: I, look, he he didn't play uh, terribly, but I think particularly earlier in the game, there's some of his disposals, and there was a few things that just made me feel like, yeah, he's a bit rusty, and we probably had to bring him in maybe, yeah, just uh, a bit prematurely after he's come back from injury. The other the other person I thought about was was Young. Yeah, he, I thought he was okay early, but he there was a few. Sort of clanger type errors there, but uh, yeah, I settled on Stocker because overall, I just thought through the game, he probably didn't quite give us what we what we needed.
0: Yeah. So uh, that little dinky kick back of Young's kick back to I can't remember who passed it to him, but he sort of like toe poked it back to them, which gave him a goal. It was fairly a cringeworthy moment, wasn't it? No one seems to have a good game back after being out with the health and safety protocols. There's some sort of curse going on. I'm not sure what it is because Young was looking a million bucks before his week off he was taking grabs we did seem to struggle a little bit on uh yeah luke mcdonald just seemed to get a slight hold of of young just with his his reach but he's a good young player mcdonald he's gonna probably features probably a battle we'll probably see a little bit of maybe in the future young and mcdonald <laughs> but yeah just seemed to slightly get the better of, of young early on i'm hoping just with those health and safety protocols curse that next week we'll see a bit of a, a bit of a young back to that sort of formula showing previously All right, so I guess we'll go through the the rest of the players. We'll stay in the back line since we've been discussing Young and we'll start with probably the the shining light of the back line. Weedering, what a game from Weeders.
1: Amazing. And it was even more amazing, I think, Matt, because it was so often a one-on-one contest with Buddy and you'd think in terms of one-on-one contest, Buddy's the one person you don't want to be in a one-on-one on. No. So the fact that... Weeding was able to either square the contest or or win it on so many occasions was just sensational.
0: Yeah, I thought he had a a really good game from Weedering and he's probably had a really good season to date but these last few games he's really seemed to have stepped up uh, in the absence of a few backline players missing and I think maybe he's getting a, a taste of what this season could be perhaps and he's very keen to make the most of it. But, yeah, his ability to win those one-on-one contests, he's, his contested marking uh, just so vital back there and helping us get the ball back. I just thought that he is really living up to the to the expectations back there. We also had uh, halfback flankers having a pretty good game, Doherty and Saad. Yeah, look,
1: I didn't think Saad was his usual self. Yeah. Um, he didn't seem to have quite the same closing speed. Look, the game was played at an incredible pace and, and uh, maybe that was uh, why that perception was created. But I thought he was solid and you and I'm not saying he didn't play a good game, but I think he wasn't quite what we've seen in the last few weeks. He's been sort of almost elite in the last <laughs> few weeks and so maybe he set a bar that is a very high one,
0: yeah. And someone that is uh, usually a, a fan favourite whipping boy, Plowman. How do you see Plowman's game? He's trying to play that third man up role, isn't he?
1: Look, he is. And uh, I thought he played a really solid game. Yeah, I, I, I liked what I saw. And some of his uh, disposal, which has been questionable at, at, at times in the past, uh, was, was quite good. So I thought he was reading the play well. And, and I was happy with Plowman.
0: It's interesting seeing him playing a bit of a new role. So often he was our go-to lockdown defender, whether that be small or tall, well, more on the smalls. And now they're playing in that third up uh, defensive player, which encourages a bit more creativity, a bit more of intercept marking. You actually saw Plowman try to take off in a few runs. He did get <laughs> mowed down a couple of times. But it's nice to see him doing something a little different. And Newman seems to have become our lockdown defender and actually seems to be doing a pretty good job. He seems to get the roles on the on the key smalls on the other team, which frees up. Players like Sard and Docherty perhaps be a bit more creative.
1: Yeah, and uh, for a lockdown defender, he also got a fair bit of the ball. Newman, so um, he
0: does. Yeah, and he's got yeah. that good left foot in him. Yeah. How do you feel about our uh, midfield this week? It was a big matchup this week. It was pretty much the game was decided in the midfield. Really, uh, two teams both pretty happy with their midfield stocks, and Walsh and Hewitt were probably the, the standouts. I felt, but it was a, it was a hard fought, fought battle. Once again, playing with the one Rockman.
1: Yeah. And look, I was really pleased to see us. Uh, I, I was really pleased when I saw Jack Silvani in the ruck early in the first quarter. Yeah, the fact that we'd gone away from using Crips so much, uh, <laughs> I noticed uh, even on the, uh, the television commentators were telling Crips Cripper to stay out of the uh, stay out of the ruck contest. <laughs> out of the ruck contest. So I was, I was, I thought, yeah, that was that was that, that worked okay for us this week. And TDK did a pretty good job. I thought.
0: Especially with that last quarter effort, I thought. I was sort of so-so on him, but I thought he was having a pretty good game, but it really impressed me in that last quarter, Tom DeConning. That uh, contested marking ability and leaping, which has always been one of his big strengths, really came to the fore there at the end. And he managed to get a fair, fair few uh, taps down. We actually won the the hitouts uh, on the night against two uh, Ruckman in the Sydney team, so that was a great effort.
1: It was, yeah. And while um, Chera was a little bit quiet, I thought Kennedy played – a solid game. There was a few really strong marks. Yeah, I think and, it was in that second quarter in
0: particular, wasn't it? And he
1: popped in and out. It wasn't by far his best game, but he was he was certainly a solid contributor without sort of uh, being in the same level as Hewitt and... Uh,
0: He's a little bit a little yeah. bit of a barometer, Kennedy, isn't he? When he seems to be on, it really seems to – our team seems to be on. So if he has a good quarter, generally it's in the quarter where we dominate. And he, as you say, took a few of those key overhead marks in the middle. He even did a little bit of ruck work. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, um, Cripps continues to do that round-the-ground ruck work, which, look, he does a good job at it, and he's still managing his hands on it a bit, but he's definitely not as damaging uh, in that role. It would be interesting to see if they continue to persist – uh, with that going forward. But I thought Hewitt against his old team had a, had a stellar game. I think he actually led the way in clearances. I think he had nine and the next highest was five. So great effort by him. And Walsh was probably getting back to close to his best, I thought.
1: Yeah, I thought that was the most impactful game that Walsh had had this year. Um, so it wasn't just racking up numbers. There were his, 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 um, his I think his disposal efficiency was pretty good uh, from memory as well. And then the... Um, Impact that he had was, I think, uh, he he was a uh, creative playmaker and initiated a lot of moves, yeah.
0: Yeah, 76%. So right up there, especially in the role that they play under pressure. Fairly impressive. And laid uh, four tackles himself. Hewitt managed to lay seven and Cripps also laid seven tackles. So lots of tackles getting laid by the midfield group. Uh, up forward, I thought we had a really good contribution by all the players up forward. We seem to have quite a nice even group up there, obviously with Charlie being the standout with his five goals in the first half. It was nice for him to start. He got that first mark and he felt like he was on straight away.
1: Yeah, generally I, I thought he – yeah, he, he's a confidence player and so once he was on, uh, he just really built on that, which was fantastic to see. I think at one point in the game when he started to come down the field a bit, I think – but we realised we needed to push him back because <laughs> there was nothing left up and uh, we, we you know it wasn't a good look to see Charlie kicking down to Owies in their contest. No, a few <laughs> times.
0: I like the fact Owies goes for it. but yeah, There was a few times where the little fellas had to just try bring the ball to ground. Yeah, if Tom Conning hadn't worked his way forward and Charlie had pushed up on a wing, we were a bit uh, outsized forward. Out of the smalls, I thought Durden just continued to have a really impressive game. He's he's moving around the ground. He's getting plenty of touches. That dribble goal he kicked early on, I thought, was extremely impressive, breaking through the traffic and pretty exciting. What what he's uh bringing to the team? Yeah,
1: I thought Durden played some really fantastic patches. I guess it's just getting consistency across the whole four quarters is probably where each of our smalls uh, probably need to look. But I guess. That might be a slightly harsh when you think about the fact that they can only do that when the ball's in their half. So uh, and and in the second half, they do the so. It probably wasn't there as much.
0: Toughest toughest position on the ground. Uh, they're always saying, and and a few of the role players. I thought so sort of did their part without standing out, such as Cottrell. and you know we talked about Stocker and Plowman and those sorts of guys. So overall, it was a, it was a great uh, team effort and. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to not have anyone that's sort of you're really concerned about. that way say the bottom four are the, you know, the the standard you need to sort of bring up to make sure that you're competitive against other teams. And I feel like generally our bottom four is not too bad nowadays. Yeah. Should, should we uh, do our votes? I think
1: we should do our votes. Um, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Now, yeah, lots of pressure, because Tessa, I think, was still keen to try put some votes in, <laughs> and I told her, no, if you're not on the pod, you don't get to give the vote. So you're going to be giving the votes uh, in lieu of Tessa being absent on a well-deserved holiday. So I'm interested to see how you saw the, the votes this week. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the way we do the votes, you get a total of 10 votes that you can give however you like, although a maximum of five for, per player. So how did you go this week?
1: Yeah, look, at it, uh, when it's an even team performance, it is hard, but I thought the. Word- some standout players and so I, I gave walsh three votes Yep, i thought as i said it was the most impactful game so far and uh really good to see him uh, contributing and showing leadership as well and not just uh, have, uh impactful in the playmaking i um i gave two votes each to um kerno hewitt and wietering yep for both Kurnow and Weedering maybe that was a little bit harsh, but the reason I didn't give either of them three was, I actually wanted to find space for one vote for TDK because I thought he carried the majority of the ruck work, and then to step up like he did in the fourth quarter, just really, really, um, you know, needed to be recognised with a vote. So. I probably robbed either Kerno or Weeder in three <laughs> by giving TDK one.
0: Oh, you've only got ten to give, so you got to fit them all in somehow. Oh, I think that's a really good reflection of, of how they all played, not not too dissimilar to my myself. I gave Kerno the three votes for six goals. I thought that was just uh, a fantastic effort, especially without the support of McKay down there and doing it uh, lone handed against a pretty good uh, defensive outfit. I was just uh, thought it was fantastic. You know you've played well when you're disappointed they don't go on to kick eight or nine <laughs> which was looking like he might do at half time. I then had two votes for Walsh and Hewitt who I thought were uh, standouts in the, in the middle. Uh, by by a fair margin, actually, compared to some previous weeks where we've had multiple guys getting their hands on the ball almost 30-plus times. This week it was just Hewitt and Walsh who did the majority of the damage consistently throughout the whole game. And then I gave a single vote to Wietering, which was probably a bit harsh because he had a fantastic game. I snuck Kennedy in for a vote for that great second quarter and also gave Durden a vote because I liked his game as well. So it was three Kurnow, two to Walsh and Hewitt, and one to Durden, Wietering, Kennedy. And like you, I... Did a little note, and I thought it was a bit harsh to leave TDK out of the votes, but he just missed out this week. Maybe it's a bit like the Rising Star Award in my eyes. (laughs) You have to string a few together.
1: So you continue the tradition of undervaluing (laughs) (laughs) I, You
0: know, it plays on my mind so much. I did my votes after the game, and I thought I was really happy with them, and all this media came out praising Wiedering's game, and I'm like, damn it, we've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So no Crips getting votes this week, so that will – Tighten up the leaderboard slightly. Walsh starting to make a bit of a push. I don't have the updated, but coming in prior to this week, Cripps was leading the voting on 32 with a bit of a margin, and Kerno was next on 19. McKay had 15, Doherty 15, Walsh 15. So Walsh and Kerno making a bit of a, a bit of a push to close the gap uh, the gap on Cripps. And uh, that, I guess that concludes our second quarter. How about we uh, kick on into the coaches' box and discuss some of that strategy you wanted to talk about earlier? Fantastic.
1: I couldn't come back to hear me. You could have run and intercepted that first goal or second goal at once, and you probably don't even know what I'm talking
0: about, do you? That's bloody right. So the coach's box. Now, we sort of touched on it earlier in the first quarter when we were discussing the game, but there are a few sort of things that uh, maybe we can talk about strategy-wise. You mentioned the ball getting over the back. I feel like perhaps the ball getting over the back of our defensive structure was our willingness to attack early really a hard press and i think we get a lot of reward uh, which you can see on the scoreboard by the fact we've almost scored 100 points by three to quarter time the last few weeks but what i find interesting you give them good looks but we also get a lot of looks ourselves but then we switch into our defensive mode which is almost the opposite we almost flood the back line so it seems to be one extreme or the other uh with that and how do you think do you think that's a uh, too offensive with them letting go of the back or do you think it's structures or you just don't mind the the helter skelter of the all-out attack
1: look uh, Provided we continue to, um, to play, use our method and play our way, I, I can accept the fact that we'll occasionally let something go. I guess the the challenge is that we've got to be able to make sure that's an occasional thing and not a, a habitual thing, which creates the momentum the other way. And I thought we overall, while there was momentum, Sydney's way in that third quarter, we, we generally still managed to sort of control it a bit you could argue say with a whole lot of injury issues so how do you think uh you know we, we covered out on those
0: it's been really impressive the way we've managed to continue winning with with so many missing and the media's finally caught on to our extensive injury list and it, i think it's definitely affected the game plan i think it's probably a bit of a shout out to the coaches things like we've talked about with having to have candy and crips in the ruck uh only having kernel up forward and i feel like we've adapted Im- surprisingly well considering some of the people we still have in the reserves perhaps to come in but uh, you know you compare our round one team to where we are now and you'd be forgiven if we'd probably dropped a few but i think the newfound belief in the team is playing a big role and i'm really enjoying the uh the way that everyone's sort of stepping up and doing their bit on the team
1: what else did you observe matt
0: well i was wondering whether do you think the, a similar, similar sort of thought process to the, my first question I threw to you, but do you feel like when we come out in these three quarter times, it's definitely a bit of, it feels to me like it's a bit of a mental game. Do you feel like we come out with the same uh, game plan, same attitude of, of, of how we're going to attack or do you feel like we come out and we just decide we're going defensive early? Sometimes I feel like we, we almost pull the trigger on going defensive in anticipation of what's going to come.
1: What, what I don't really have a real sense of is whether that's because we've spent the petrol it's in the first three quarters probably and we true. have to slow the pace of the game and we can't sustain our method and uh, the way we go to work quite <laughs> for the full four quarters yet. Um, yep. So maybe there's an element of that in it. But you're right, there could well be also a bit of mindset around it
0: too. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I the fact we're winning is fantastic, but it's just the way we either win is it seems to be either, you know, sometimes we've won a couple by big margins, but we seem to build this lead and then hang on for grim life. And I would just love to see us one week build a lead and then just play at least match the opposition for the second half and, you know, not rather than letting teams back in, just feels like that would be the next evolution of our our development for me in the second half of the season once we sort of have that big quarter of built our lead, maintaining that lead.
1: Yeah. Do you think perhaps Vossi's concern is that if we – go defensive too much then we actually don't maintain playing the way we want to so his preference is to try and continue to push uh, our game plan recognising that uh, we're still going to uh, have you know, it will be scored against um, you know yeah, through that sort of latter half of the game.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I guess, a, a consideration uh, how much you expose yourself. And at the end of day, he's got the results on the board. So I guess you can't argue too much with how they're going about it. Is there anyone else you think uh, maybe should be dropped from the team or anyone you would like to see brought into the team? We've got the reserves playing this afternoon as we talk with the likes of Dow, Marchbank, Kemp, Honey, Williamson, Philp, Fogarty, Setterfield, and Acquay. Uh, just to name sort of a a handful of the people that are playing is, do you feel like a reward the team with an unchanged team going into next week?
1: Look, broadly, I'm leaning towards that. I think we've got a winning combination. There's been two games that we've really won, which I think have been really um, stepping stones for us in our maturity as a team. Maybe... Mm. Uh, there might be an opportunity to bring in Dow for Carroll as the only thing i thought of. Um, yep. I like Carroll a lot, but I think when you've got new young players, it's very hard for them to sustain it week in, week out. So at some point, probably Carroll will get a rest. Yep. And yep. maybe that's uh, the opportunity for us to have a look at Dow. Uh, that's probably the only um, reflection that I've got.
0: Yeah, it was sort of nice in a way to see only four, pretty much only four changes, I think, going into the game against Sydney, wasn't it? It was uh, Williams for Stocker and... Young for, Oh, they did drop Kemp back to the to yeah. the reserves, so he went back into the reserves. Dow's having a pretty good game. Just have a quick look at the stats here. So, uh, so far he's had 28 touches, another two goals. I did watch the first half of that game and I did notice that Dow was resting forward, so that may I wonder if that's in a bit of a... They're trying to evolve his game, give him another way of working his way into the team so he can fill that secondary role, because I think that's probably the only thing that's really holding Dow back from getting into the team is the fact that he's pretty much a mid and a mid only, or as you look at all... All of our other players, most of them either have another role or the people that Voss does seem to like playing in the mid are big, big guys. Even Walsh has been pushed out. He has to start in the forward line nowadays and run up into the midfield. <laughs> He's not allowed to be in the centre square bounces anymore.
1: Yeah. Although he said he enjoys playing that role. I know noticed they oh, okay. him after the game and uh, playing that half forward role and then being able to flick into the uh, midfield at times um, is something he said that I think he feels like he's he can make a contribution in that way.
0: No real other standouts in the reserves. At pretty standard game. They're actually uh, losing in the fourth quarter by just uh, just over a goal against Sandringham St Kilda's reserves. In the first half, I did watch. It's probably one to keep an eye on in the future. Um, Akwe, a uh, rookie playing key defensive key defensive post down back. He's improving fairly rapidly. I mean, he's not AFL ready. He's definitely with his skills. But the one thing that really impressed me watching uh, his first half today, his ability to leave his man, read that ball and spoil or come push up and make the right decision I thought was really impressive. And I wonder if one day he might, you know, we're talking about the fact that we can't get McGovern and McDonald in the park. Maybe a Quay could be that third third man athletic third-man interceptor. He's got... Big, long arms, and he closes really fast. So maybe just something to keep an eye on over the next few years. Uh, he seems to be yeah, developing at a really good pace.
1: Yeah, well, that would fill a badly needed hole, with um, uh, that third man up, particularly if he can uh, be one of those players that can be more resilient, a bit along the weederings lines rather than the McGovern line.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're hoping for no unforced changes. You're saying perhaps maybe Carol out for Dow. I guess we'll probably see. it always seems to be a mystery injury during the week. They let us know about late on a Thursday, but we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. We'll uh, wrap that up there and we'll go into the last quarter. We'll do our, our buzzword mailbag and the tipping. All right, Blue Crew, fourth quarter. First up, I think we'll, uh, we'll hit the buzzword. I'll get the intro and we'll uh, then just see what, what's a word you've picked in your first ever buzzword game. La, 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 la,
1: la. She sings these words to me. She sings these words to me. Baby. All
0: right, so Tessa has lost the last well, last one, I think, only. And I managed to get a victory last week, so no pressure. You said big shoes to fill. She'll be disappointed if you don't get the victory this week. So what are you thinking?
1: Look, Matt, I've dug deep and uh, (laughs) I was thinking, uh, you know, there was a lot of resilience there. We were repelling a lot of attacks in that second half. There was a gritty finish. But uh, in the end, I I think all those things add up to our method. So I decided I'd go method.
0: I like it. There is a few, you've touched on a few. You're obviously been paying attention, challenge, resilience, method, intensity, learning growths and go to work seem to be some of the favorites and i promised everyone i'd go for go to work last week since i didn't do it last week because he seems to roll around every second week and in the pre-game interview he dropped go to work about seven or eight times (laughs) so i felt confident going into it so let's have a listen and see what happens because you know we lost some method around get some uh, method back our smalls go to work so we'll consolidate that learning and go back to work we'll go to work on it and go to work. It is victory. Oh, hey. Unlucky. Well, Not bad. There's a few methods in there for you, but yeah. uh, you'll have to go to work on your, your buzzword game next time.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll have to do that, uh, do that, Matt. And uh, sorry, Tess, I've let you down. Uh, and uh, Matt continues to carry the baton.
0: Whew, yeah, it's good. a uh, good feeling. Okay, well, we'll kick along. Uh, we'll go into the mailbag now, see what questions people have and want us answered. Uh, we name it Nonagina's Mailbag uh, for my lovely neighbour who often provides us with tasty snacks. And knowing that my dad was coming today, she said, what would we like? And I said he's a big fruitcake fan. So he's got a delicious little fruitcake for us today, which we've been enjoying, along with a cup of tea during the pod. So thank you to Nonagina. First question for you. These are all just going to be unprompted for you, so sorry if uh, we sometimes get some curly ones which have stopped us in previous pods, but Tim W uh, kicks us off. He says, has Voss instilled such belief and role clarity in our playing list that we have transitioned from a team of a few champions to a champion team?
1: Well, that's a big one. Um, Look, I think I'm going to enjoy my fruitcake and cup of tea more than some of these tough (laughs) questions. I think that's a, a, a premature call. I think the last two weeks have seen us really, certainly grow and develop as a team unit uh, by the fact that we're missing, you know, players like Harry and and Williams and the like. So the fact that we're actually able to cover for them, I think says that we're moving in that direction. But, uh, yeah, let's not call it...
0: <laughs> I hardly agree. I think a lot of our development has come for the fact that we're doing great team performances. We've always known we've had a few gems on the list. But, yeah, like you, I think we uh, need to get some runs on the board before we can be called a champion team.
1: Okay. So the next question comes to us from uh, Ash Gallagher, and uh, he's asking, what did you make of Cottrell's game? I've been critical of him, but Vossy seems to have the role players... Uh, the last four of the 22 playing their best football and have done it against quality opposition. What are your thoughts on this?
0: I completely agree that the the ability of the role players has been fantastic uh, this season and Cottrell's probably a pretty good example of that. I don't know if Cottrell's perhaps... Say we had a fully fit list, I don't think Cottrell's making the team. But he's impressed me this season with his ability to work up and down the wing really hard... He, got a, he took a lovely little one-hand tap-down mark this game, which, uh, which I was very, like, oh, very was, nice!" was hey. that Cottrell? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just doing a bit of work with Crips in the off-season. I think that's normally a Crips special, the old tap-down to yourself. And he's definitely improved, and I think all that growth from those role players, like I sort of mentioned earlier, those bottom four players, if they're playing to a higher level, I think it just elevates the whole team.
1: Yeah, and, look, I think what we've seen in previous years is you've looked at our top 22 and you've said there's, you know, 10 or 12 players that you just can't be without and the others were making up the numbers if I'm just a little – whereas I think to be that champion team that we referred to earlier, you've really got to have 30.
0: It's so true, isn't it? so
1: I think what we're seeing now is that we've got that extra depth uh, so we can soldier in, soldier out um, and and
0: sustain the uh, performance. Good call, excellent call, sausage call. That one's mainly for Tess there. But yes, I think you're a good call on that one. Kandor asks us, can these games get any better? The ability to hang on again and withstand a barrage of pressure is no coincidence as we've now done it in games against the Dogs, Hawks, Power and Swans. Out of gas and with a five-day break, which is actually a really good point. I didn't even think about the fact we're coming off a five-day break. Uh, we simply just found a way now nine days to enjoy it. So a bit more of a statement, but how, how good are these games?
1: Yeah, look, as I said at the outset, uh, we're getting used to the full range of emotions in games <laughs> yeah. and I guess uh, in a spectator sport, uh, it's great to be able to enjoy the full range of emotions but can I just say, I'd like to be able to really enjoy the game like I did the second quarter just a little bit more often.
0: Yeah, be able to relax a bit more, <laughs> gee, you know, the, the nails are getting a workout in this, some of these last quarters. Dom in the den saying, we're
1: still building belief and we have some big names to come back. Where is our limit this season? What do you reckon, Matt?
0: Oh, I think they always to use the coaching cliches. Just because hey, we listen too much, to the coaching uh, press conferences too much, but no, no ceiling. They always go on about. And Voss has made comments about how he deliberately didn't give any expectation this season because he didn't want to limit what what is possible. I think we're probably reassessing what maybe we're going to be at the end of the season. I was. I was hoping for top eight, and I think in the predictions at the start of the season, I was hoping for solidly inside the eight, like a, a six or even fifth or somewhere around there, where we're not hanging on, where we know we're going to be playing finals maybe a few weeks out. Now I think we're eyeing off top four, which would be which would be massive.
1: Yeah, look, I I think I probably haven't changed my expectations quite as much. So I'm with you. I'd like to see us you know in that top six um rain, uh, in the sort of certainly upper half of the bottom half of the eight, but. I guess with our younger players, it'd uh, be interesting to see how we sustain uh, their performances after mm. the break. So I think with younger teams, that can be the challenge. So I, I think in some ways it's perhaps been a gift that we've had to rotate players in and out and that might be Given a blessing taste in early, yeah. uh, But let's wait and see.
0: Finally, I think nice one to finish on from George W. Is the lid off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I felt like it was in the second quarter, Matt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the lids come off about four times this season, hasn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, it's a bit of fun. All right, so that concludes the uh, the mailbox. Thanks for sending in your your questions, uh, Blue Crew. Do appreciate that. You can find us on the dot Blue Pod on Instagram or the Blue Pod on Twitter where we get most of our feedback from. Uh, I think. We're, Tess is also running a TikTok account sporadically but follow us on there and uh, make sure you also subscribe to, to the BluePod uh, itself if it's your first time listening. I uh, will just do a quick recap of the tipping. It's been a pretty predictable round this round so far. I was very impressed with my Six from six until I realise that everyone's pretty much got six from six. Maybe a few people have got fives. So uh, without the games having finished um, on the Sunday, we've got Andrew Blueboys still in the lead uh, with 64 tied with E-Dub, only separated by margin. And even their margin is uh, quite small. They're only 28 points. So that could be really coming down to the wire. And they're closely followed by Jess, 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 Patrick Tienan, and Andrew Brajor. So the top five, not too unchanged, a few who have been around it, Nipping at the Heels, Nara's in six, and we've got uh, a few Blue Irons and Sam Walsh, it drops off the name, it's chopped off, but a couple there, Nipping at their Heels, not far behind. And Tess, while she's on holiday, has forgot to submit her tips and has allowed me to overtake her. So that is good news for me.
1: (laughs) See that competition there. (laughs) So, Matthew, we've got Collingwood next week.
0: Yeah. What do you think? The Pies on Sunday at 3.20, home game to them. Look, they're sitting 11th on the ladder, and you feel like we're definitely going to go in favourites uh, their victories have been against round one in the against the Saints, which is probably their best scalp. But that was early on when the Saints were struggling. Other than that, they've only been the Crows and the Suns, and they lost to the Eagles. So surely we can't lose to a team that lost to the Eagles. <laughs> what do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, in the past, just like uh, you know, we've seen teams like GWS and the Suns be our nemesis. Uh, the, you know, the, the games against uh, you know Collingwood, Essendon, and Richmond have often been danger games for us. Yep. So I think it is a, another one of those danger games um, but if we can uh, play to the level we've been playing, it should be a, a, a comfortable uh, win and another step towards being that champion team rather than a team of champions. I think uh, no matter where teams are on the ladder and I think we saw this with, with the Blue Boys uh, in the past is that uh, when these major games against uh, these arch rivals come up, The teams that are well down later always lift, and so I think we're going to we'll see that with Collingwood.
0: I do feel like they've lost their like the Hawks. They've lost that. sort of energy and, and, uh, and hope that you get when you have a new coach come in. They've both uh, taped it off a bit. So I feel like we're getting them at a good time uh, if, if there's such a thing. And I feel like we say it every week, but what a chance to notch up another win, go into that bye, nine and two, hopefully get a few plays back post-bye and we'll really set ourselves up for a really strong half, second half of the season and uh, see if we can maintain that top four spot would be lovely. Thank you so much for joining us and filling in this week.
1: That was uh, it was a pleasure Matt. Uh, fun to talk and uh, excited to be a Bluebagger this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's been a fantastic year. Well, thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, as I said earlier, do subscribe, tell your friends, uh, follow us on Twitter at the Blue Pod and on Instagram at the. Blue Hopefully we'll be here next week discussing another win over the uh, the pies and celebrating just as hard. Enjoy Bluebaggers.